Hello, hello, this is Jillian. Welcome to the Geeky Rose Shots. I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving or holiday weekend. Um, let's get started. So last weekend I saw um, a movie called Can You Ever Forgive Me? Um, I feel like this has kind of been a little under the radar. It's um, definitely an Oscar type movie, which has been on limited release for at least a month or so. It just hit one of my theaters. Actually, it's been in one of my theaters for a little while now. Um, but I actually went in totally blind, but I'm going to just give you guys a little in more insight into it than I knew. Um, it stars Melissa McCarthy as a, a writer named Lee Israel, and I honestly did not realize it was based on a true story. So she's a writer, and um, she's been struggling, and she winds up creating forged, forged letters from, like, all of these amazing writers from, like, the old, like, Dorothy Parker and Noel Cower and all of these amazing people, and she's forging and getting money for them. So she's kind of egged on by her friend Jack, who's played by Richard E. Grant, and it's just takes place in the early 90s in New York and it's just a very 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 well-made movie honestly I I really didn't know much about it I knew Melissa McCarthy was in it and I've loved Melissa McCarthy since Gilmore Girls but I've been somewhat disappointed by her choices in film since then and it's not totally her fault it's just I feel like people don't know what to do with her which is very upsetting because like I think Gilmore Girls definitely showed off more of her range so when she then like kind of fell into always being like the fat girl it really made me upset so I was not really interested in watching most of her movies I've seen a few of them but like I actually still never seen Bridesmaids um so whatever but so that's pretty much all I knew and I knew that um it was directed by by a woman who um Marielle Heller I believe and uh, but it's actually just really nice because her husband is one of the guys from Lonely Island Yorma Tacon and he is so proud of his wife it like really warms my heart when he's like posting stuff about her anyway back to the movie so I, I really enjoyed it it was very sad though and my the funny thing is that my takeaway from it seems to be very different from other people's takeaways and I feel like I might be kind of just boiling it down a little too much. But my takeaway is that if for years and years and years, we've always been getting all of these stories about men who do terrible things. And to be honest, like, I started getting so bored with them. Like, how many Madoff movies have been? I think we've only, I don't know if we've actually had, like, a real movie based on Bernie Madoff, but, like, there were definitely, like, one on HBO and, like, one on ABC and, like, and it's just stuff like that. Like, I don't understand why we need to focus so much on bad people. However, because most of them have been men, it's now interesting to me to see that we can get movies made about people doing terrible things but have them be focused on the women and I think it kind of started last year with Molly's Game and even I, Tonya, which I haven't seen the, the latter I saw the former though um and it's just that they're not it's not that they're bad people like this is never like oh I'm just gonna do it like 
her circum the circumstances of Lee Israel is so important to understand why she's doing this. And it's the same thing even with like Molly's game. Like she needed this and she and they like at a certain point know that they're doing something wrong but it's not like ever glamorous molly's game was a little more glamorous but like what lee is doing what lee israel did was not like oh wow that's amazing like look at that i want to totally do that like no it was very very like specific and I just find it fascinating that we can now get kind of more female-based women in these types of roles because this is normally something that we only see with men. So, go see Can You Ever Forgive Me if you want. Also, Richard Grant, Richard E. Grant is perfect in this. It's actually really funny because the whole time I was like, and I think he was in Nutcracker too and he's going to be in the next Star Wars, but I was like, like, I feel like he was in Spice World. And that's pretty much where I know Richard E. Graham from Spice World, guys. Um, but yeah, Can You Ever Forgive Me is a really, really, really good movie. It's it's very, it's, it, I just, it's just wonderful. It really is. And it's kind of sit with me for a while. Like, during it, I was kind of like, oh, I don't know where this is going and everything. But it's definitely a movie that kind of sits with you. And, like, you have to stew on it. And it's, it's very good. And I really hope that it gets more of an awards push because it's not as flashy and stuff as some of the other ones coming out um also hbo premiered a somewhat ambitious new show last weekend called my brilliant friend which is based on the elena ferrante books um so I only heard about like the whole Elena Ferrante thing because of all of the controversy on who's actually writing these books. Like, who is she? Um, so honestly, I had no idea who that person was or anything like that until that time. I have not read the books yet. They're on my Goodreads list. It's about like number 530 something. But I wanted to check out the show. And even when I watched the trailer, though, I was like, is this totally going to be an Italian the entire time? And it is. That's why I called it Ambitious, guys. It's uh, I, totally not in English, which to a bunch of people is probably awesome. And I mean, it is awesome to have, to have a show on a major network like HBO, completely in a foreign language, completely subtitled, and just kind of focusing on the actual story and stuff is really crazy but I'm going to pass on it for now so I watched the first episode and it was pretty good I think that there's some scenes that could have been edited a little bit like I'm like I don't really need to see this woman throw all the stuff out of her house um but also I am I have really bad focus problems and if I'm constantly having to read the screen this is why like I I'm really bad at foreign films too I'm better I'm getting better at foreign films but this is one of my problems is that I'm always reading what's happening. So then I feel like I'm missing like gorgeous cinematography and stuff. So <laughs> I'm going to pass on my brilliant friend for now. Um, hopefully when I read it though, then I'll, I'll try to go back to it and maybe I'll be in a better place where I actually can actually focus on it a little more. But for now, it's a pass. And I feel like I've been saying that a lot about HBO shows lately like, I passed on camping, I passed on The Deuce last year, just because I was like, I know this is a good show, I'm just not gonna watch it. <laughs> so I don't know what's up with HBO, where I'm just like, wow, yeah, this is a good show, but I'm not gonna watch it. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me on that end. But 
I think that if you are really interested in this, good for you. Like, I, I'm really impressed if anybody actually comes out and goes like, oh my god, this show's amazing. I'm totally watching every episode. So, there's that. Um, some trailers that were released... Uh, we got the first, we got the trailer for, um, the PG-13 Deadpool, Once Upon a Deadpool. Now, I love Deadpool. Um, I think he's amazing. I think Ryan Reynolds is just incredible with the role and everything. I personally did not really like Deadpool 2 as much as the first Deadpool. There were just some script things, like, I didn't understand why they had to do certain things, even though they fixed them at the end. Like, it was just, it was a lot. <laughs> But, like, the humor and everything, everything that was supposed to be in a Deadpool movie was fine. It was just some of the actual story beats I was bothered by. Anyway, so they, all of a sudden, when they kept moving all the X-Men movies around, because were we supposed to get Dark Phoenix this? We probably were, I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> oh, we were supposed to get Dark Phoenix in November, never mind. Um... So then they kept, Fox keeps moving all the X-Men stuff around. So then when, um, I think Battle Angel Alita was taken off the schedule, they like just threw in Deadpool and everyone's like, what is this? So it's PG-13 Deadpool. So it takes up pretty much all the cursing and everything, which, and most of the violence, which I will, I will agree. The violence in Deadpool too, in both Deadpools is pretty gruesome. I'm okay with it though, because it's so like comic booky and whatever ridiculous and that's the type of violence I can deal with um but when they actually started coming out with more stuff so they had like they released a photo of like Deadpool in a bedroom wearing a Santa hat reading a book to Fred Savage like in Princess Bride I was like oh so they like actually filmed stuff around the movie so to make it more of, I guess, an experience for you if you've already seen it, which is really cool. And like, I don't mind that. That's actually really creative. So the trailer kind of had like Brent Savage just doing like, kind of like being savage to Deadpool. And with William Goldman's passing last week, it was just kind of like, oh, look at this. So it's it definitely should be an interesting experience. I'm not entirely sure if I'm actually going to go see it again just to see the Fred Savage parts. Um, I know it's only in theaters, I think, for one weekend in December and some of the money is going to charity, which is great. So that's why I'm like, I'm still like, do I want to go see it again? Um, so yeah, there's that one. And then we got the new trailer for the Lego movie sequel. Now the Lego movie. I I think when I first heard that they were making like a movie I was like this is dumb then when the tr when it started coming out more about it I was like okay this looks kind of cute and then I kept hearing how amazing it was so I wound up seeing it and it really was amazing I'm still not a big fan of parts of the ending but <laughs> I do love the Lego movie and Lego Batman is quite honestly one of the best Batman movies ever made uh, so I've just been like anxiously awaiting this, the sequel and we finally got the trailer and it just looks, it looks great. I can't even like, I'm just so happy to get all the characters back. I love the nod to that Chris Pratt is now playing a second character who's pretty much an 
um, amalgamation, I totally mispronounced that word, a, like, total mishmash of all of his former characters, including, like, the raptor trainer, and it's just, I'm dying already. But I'm just so happy to have Unikitty back, because I loved her, and a wild style, and, like, a Batman, and, and then, yeah, I, I, I totally, I was like, I was like, where is, I couldn't remember the astronaut's name, but I remember loving him so much. And then I was like, oh my God, no, it's Benny. Where's Benny? Benny needs to be in this trailer more. But it just looks interesting. And like, they're going into like the Duplos and it's like the star system. And so it's definitely, it's, it should be really good. I'm very excited. How many more months until February? So, yeah. <laughs> So the finale of Dancing with the Stars was last week. Um, I kind of talked about it briefly when I was like introducing the show. I watched it for a majority of the first few seasons and then I got really bored with it because if a certain pro was there, I pretty much knew he was going to win. It was really obnoxious. So I kind of stopped and like the celebrities weren't really that good. But I kind of got back into it last season and then this season, even though I wasn't really interested in most of the celebrities... I was really into Ivana Lynch from Harry Potter, so I was like, okay, I'll watch this season. Um, And I actually really did enjoy this season. Like, it kind of pissed me off, though, because some people were getting kicked off too early and some people were staying too long. Basically, Tanache shouldn't have gone in week four. Like, what the hell? And there is no way on earth Joe, grocery store Joe from The Bachelor should have made it to the semifinals. Like, no. my reasoning so there were multiple reasons why I just did not connect with Joe one he was super awkward he never improved I'm actually not a big fan of his pro like his uh Jenna I never even liked her on so you think he can dance and she just uh, rubs me the wrong way I don't know why but I could not and he was just terrible he was so terrible like the judges like literally couldn't figure out like what to even say to him because he was so bad so, and then as, as the season was progressing, I was like, oh, like they finally started being nicer to Evie um, because I think they were being very hard on her, which was really unfortunate. Like she was, she was a beautiful dancer and like Len was just being so mean to her sometimes. And I, I hate that because then I, you can, you know that this happens, like I know that this happens. Like the judges like pick someone that they're like, we know you're good, but we want you to be even better than good. And like, so they like are unnaturally mean to them to like boost their comp. I have no idea why they do this, but it happens like all the time. There's always like one person that they're like really hard on and you're like, but why are you so hard on them? They're really good. And that was Ivana. Um, but so I was like trying to think, I was like, Ivana could possibly win. Like, I mean, she's with Keo and he doesn't really have a lot of fan support, but I was like, I could see it happening. And then, but basically I was like, oh my God, Juan Pablo and Cheryl are like going to win. Like they are so good. He had one of, probably one of my favorite Argentine tangos, which actually is just funny because I then was like, oh, it's probably my favorite. And then I was like, what was my previous favorite? And then I was like, oh, it was another shower routine when she was with Gio Marini. Um, so Cheryl's really good at Argentine tango. Also, Cheryl's my girl because she won with my my boo, Drew Lachey, back in season two. So I was like, I was like, oh my God, Cheryl hasn't won since season three. Like, this is Cheryl's like comeback year. And then they got eliminated with Grocery Store Joe in the semifinals and I was like are you kidding me after that beautiful tango like what is wrong with you people um I understood because like fan base and everything and like I honestly I 
I haven't watched Fuller House yet, so like I don't know who he is. And I can understand from the fan base part that like that's why he didn't get it. But it's like so angry, like it made me so angry that he got eliminated. Not not just he got eliminated for the finals, but he got eliminated with the worst dancer on the show. Anyway, so even though I've been saying really nasty things about Grocery Store Joe, there is another dancer who actually did make the finals who was not a great dancer, and that was Bobby Bones. So the thing was, I love Sharna. Sharna is one of my favorites. So this is why, like, this is my problem with Dance with the Stars as it kind of went on, was that I became more attached to the pros than I did to the celebrities. <laughs> Still true. Um, so Sharna's my girl. Um, I love her so much. And um, Bobby, <laughs> I know he's not a good dancer. And it was just that he was so much fun to watch. Like, that's what the total difference was between him and Grocery Store Joe, was that Joe had literally no personality. He had no showmanship, nothing. Bobby, on the other hand, had all of that. Like, he had so much. It was just exploding out of him all the time. So I was like, I every week that, like, Bobby got through... And same with John Schneider for a while. I was like, I was like, I'm okay with this because they are improving. Like I'm seeing like, like not only are they, they're getting, they're getting more difficult choreography where Jenna gave Joe like nothing to do ever. Um, They were getting like, it was not hard choreography, it was just harder choreography than I think they could have handled. And they were still like, but they kept improving and I was okay with that. I'm okay with dancers who improve making it to the finals. One of my favorite actual, so side note, one of my favorite um, contestants ever on Dance with the Stars was Ty, oh my god, what was his last name? I don't even remember which season he was on. Um, and I have to look up his ex-wife to find out his name. Um, he was on it in like one of the earlier seasons and I loved him so much. He he like had one of the worst scores season one, Ty Murray. One of the, he's like a rodeo star. Worst scores first week. And then the second week he had a quick step and he like just in was so endearing. Like he did so good in that quick step. And I was like, I was like, oh my God, I love you. So I really, really, really wanted him to like win. And even though like it was ridiculous, like there's no reason he should have won. He was on season eight. Um, oh, he was with Chelsea too. Chelsea was one of my, one of my favorites from So You Think You Can Dance that moved on to Dance Stars. Anyway. So that's why, like, I'm okay with improvement getting you to the finals. <sighs> then we get to the finals, and Poppy winds up winning, and it was okay. Like I said, not the greatest dancer. So I personally would have had Ivana or even Milo win. I did like Alexis. Um, I think a lot of people were being really harsh on her. I did like Alexis, though. I thought she was a beautiful dancer, and I think she's really adorable. Um but yeah, like I just, I, I didn't really like her freestyle, but like Ivana and Milo's freestyle, like, oh my God, Milo's freestyle. So Milo Mannheim is like 17 years old. And that's why I was like, Milo's not going to win because they just, the last real season of Dance with the Stars, so a year ago, because they did the little athlete one in the spring, um, they gave it to a Disney Channel star. So I'm like, they're not going to do back-to-back Disney Channel stars. That's not how this works. So, and also the fact that Jordan Fisher did win was really bizarre to me because Disney Channel stars never win previously. Justice for Zendaya. Um, (laughs) So, 
Milo was so good. Like I, he was really impressed me. And also he's actually with one of, one of the partners I don't really like that much. I don't really like Whitney. I've grown to like her more, I think. And it's partially, and I definitely think that this season really helped me get over my not so much liking her that much. Anyway, so we're going to freestyles. Freestyles are generally like the thing that gets you like to win. And Bobby's freestyle was adorable like totally his personality but there wasn't a lot of dancing and it like kind of made me mad that they got 30s for that like I know that the last night of the competition is basically like whose line is it anyway points are made up and they don't matter like doesn't really but it yeah it does because there was no way that that freestyle was on the same level as Ivana and Milo's like not even a little bit um so yeah, Bobby Bones is now a Dance with Stars champion, and um, I'm kind of happy with it because he like just he embraced the show so much. And again, he did improve. Like I can 100% say that he improved. Is he the best dancer on the show? Hell no. But he he's and he's possibly like the worst winner ever. But like I I don't care. Sharna got her trophy. That's all that matters to me. Sharna got a trophy. Um, okay, so now going to a little more serious stuff. Um, and I'm going to go into another rant pretty soon. Um, so last week on AMC, there was a mini series called Little Drummer Girl. Um, it's based on John le Carre book. I honestly have now seen like a billion John le Carre adaptations without ever reading any of his books. Um, he basically does spy thrillers and a s- the night manager from a few years ago with Tom Hiddleston was like brilliant. So I was like 100% in for another John le Carre adaptation miniseries. So this one was called Little Dormer Girl and Alexander Skarsgård was in it. Michael Shannon was in it. Florence Pook was in it. And I was like, oh, I'm so here for this. But the thing was, I kept forgetting it was coming on. And then all of a sudden AMC is like, oh yeah, we're going to do a three night event for AMC makes me so tired because the only thing they really seem to care about is the Walking Dead franchise and it pisses me off to no end because they get like quality shows like they don't always produce the shows but they get quality shows and then they just like totally like bomb how to like roll them out like it happens all the time they had McMafia where they like start airing something at 10 o'clock and then like halfway through the season they're like "Mm, we're not gonna air it at 10 o'clock anymore we're gonna air it at 11 o'clock so like that screws me up because then I'm like trying to like record things and then it's like not on at the time that it's scheduled for because they just decided arbitrarily "Mm, we're not gonna air it at 10 o'clock anymore and they did this with humans too and that humans is such a great show and I feel like no one knows about it because AMC just does it dirty every single time they've done I think they've aired it They've had two seasons where they did the exact same thing they did to McMafia, where they aired it at 10 o'clock, and then all of a sudden they were like, "Mm, we're not going to air it at 10 o'clock anymore, we're going to air it at 11 o'clock. And it just pisses me off so much. Like, AMC, like, why do you even bother then with anything but Walking Dead? Like, it just pisses me off. So, Little Drummer Girl, it's a six-episode miniseries, and they were like, we're going to do two episodes a night for three nights. (sighs) I think I, so as I'm watching it, I think I realized why I personally can't binge things. It's because I need to sit with things for a little bit. I wouldn't have minded if they just did two hour blocks for three weeks, but two hour blocks per day. Also, it wasn't even two hours. It was two hours and 40 minutes. So it was like, I need to sit with things. Like I need to think about things. Like I, I need that. I get that people don't, but like, I need that. (sighs) Anyway, 
I liked The Little Drummer Girl. I just wish I had more time to actually sit with it and think about things before being thrown into the next episodes. Also, it was airing in the UK and we actually got the ending before the UK did. Like, I don't even, like the UK, um, they started airing it in England like at the end of October and they're still not done with it. But we now, I've now seen it all. Like, I, I don't understand. <sighs> anyway, Little Drummer Girl, it's about this um, young actress who kind of gets thrown into the world of espionage and stuff because um, to kind of infiltrate the Palestinian Israeli conflict in the 1970s. Um, Florence Pugh was amazing. Oh my god. Like I don't think I've seen her in anything else and she was just so incredible. She like owned every scene. She was so strong. I like couldn't imagine like anything else. Skarsgård was so good too. Like it's so funny because like the first time I saw it was in True Blood and like there's not great acting in True Blood. I don't care what anybody says. Um, but like Big Little Lies really turned me around to be like, wow, he actually is a good actor. And this was just so good. He was just so, he was so nervous and like, it was such, so different for him. I really, really, really liked his, his performance. And then Michael Shannon's just Michael Shannon as always. Although I think his, like his accent kind of dropped towards the end. And I was like, okay, Michael, like, you're like, I don't know how to do this accent anymore. Um, but yeah, it was really good. And like, I was trying to avoid like reading stuff about it because I didn't want to get spoiled because I was like kept being like behind even though it was like I was watching (laughs) it was all in one week um but there was something about like the use of color and it really was true like so I loved the night manager but like and Suzanne Beer is amazing uh incredible incredible director should should have gotten bond um she used such a muted color palette but I think it worked because it took place in Egypt and like it was taking place in the desert and everything like that this one it was so all of like all of Charlie's clothes and everything, everything was just so bright and vibrant. And, um, like, I think, and I I need to go back and read that article because like, I was struck by how much color was in it too. And like, I mean, I guess it was the late seventies. So like her outfits were just so beautiful and just all of the colors really worked, really worked well. And it was just amazing. Um, so I highly recommend the little drummer girl, but maybe take breaks with watching it. Because like I said, there were times when I like didn't understand what was happening, but then thrown into the next thing. And I was like, okay. And (sighs) AMC, just please do better. (laughs) Um, all right, next up. So on Thanksgiving, my, thankfully I turned on the friends to Friends Thanksgiving episode marathon on TBS, but thankfully my dad changed the channel back to football. Otherwise, I wouldn't have seen the Lion King trailer. So it was so bizarre because I had no idea it was coming, and all of a sudden I hear James Earl Jones' voice, and I was like, I know that monologue, and I was like, Why is there a commercial with the Lion King stuff on it? This is weird. And then all of a sudden I was like, Oh my god, it's the Lion King. So I I know everyone everyone's different, and I don't care. I personally like the quote-unquote live-action remakes of the Disney animated movies. Um, I just, I think that they just kind of bring more, like, depth to the story and just, like, because animated movies, especially back when, like, they were always pretty short. Like, now I feel like animated movies are getting longer. Like, they're almost two hours or so, which is a lot for kids. And that's why, like, back in the day, they weren't, they were pretty much 90 minutes standard 
And that worked because kids don't have a long attention span. So now they're getting longer and I can kind of understand why parents are saying certain kids, sometimes their kids don't really get the movie or they're just not sitting through it. Um, But it's whatever. So that's why I don't mind the live action ones. And I know that this isn't technically live action. It's still computer generated and whatever, 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 whatever. I don't care. Um, I was super excited when they announced John Favreau was directing it because Jungle Book was one of my favorites so far. Like, I think that they had been getting better and better. And once they hit Jungle Book, it was like the peak. And it's just, it's it's either going to go all downhill from Beauty and the Beast or it's going to continue to go up. Um, I'm optimistic on Aladdin. I still don't think we've seen enough of Aladdin. But from what I saw of... So at D23 Expo last year, I saw the entire Circle of Life sequence and they showed parts of it in the trailer. So they actually, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like they changed anything from that in my eyes, which is incredible because like it, because John Favreau like came out and was like, we're not really finished yet. And like, but it looked perfect. Um, but yeah, I just kind of wish we'd seen a little more. Like I saw the stampede and I was like, ah, no, um, so I wish we'd seen, like, maybe, like, little glimpses of Timon and Pumbaa and, like, even Scar, like, just something. And then they just did the cast. But I'm super psyched because Donald Glover is amazing. Oh, my God. I'm saying amazing so much. I need to stop. Um, so, yeah. I'm personally excited for Lion King. If it doesn't look like it's up to your alley, you don't have to see it. No one is going to judge you. Like, I don't understand this whole concept of I have to totally crap on things that don't look good to me. Just don't see it. No one's going to like be like, oh, how dare you? Like, just leave it alone. <sighs> okay. Um, I saw Creed 2 over the weekend. Yay! Um, so a fun fact, I did not see Creed in theaters, even though I was a Rocky fan and I love Michael B. Jordan. Um, I actually only saw it a few months ago and, um, I liked it a lot. I really did. I actually feel like I should have seen Creed in theaters because I think just being in a theater with like a bunch of people and seeing like the fight on the big screen would have probably tipped me to like it a little more. Um, I think it's just, it's just a really, like, I know that it's gotten a lot because it's not, like, as much of a punch as, like, Creed. Horror, horror punch. But, like, I think that it was a it was a very integrated... Like, they really did a good job of trying to get what they needed into it. And I really love Michael B. Jordan and Tessa Thompson together. Like, they're so cute. And, like, seeing their relationship progress. Actually, I... <laughs> I haven't watched like the original Rockies in a while, but the one thing that always kind of bothered me was how Adrian was portrayed and that I never really felt like she was her own person, really. She was always kind of like pushed aside and stuff. And that's very sad. And like I, I understood. And that's why like having Rocky on her side was so crucial. But I kind of love seeing Bianca as her own person and being strong and that she's not frail or anything even though she's dealing with a disability and it's just beyond um but also what was interesting was so I was terrified of Dolph Lundgren when I watched Rocky 4 for the first time and I was like oh my god am I gonna be terrified of the guy playing his son and I was not he was very attractive um but he also I just there 
the layers of it. So it it's pretty much a father-son tale. And I kind of like how they are subverting it a little bit. So it's going to be interesting when they finally, um, well, if, I mean, it's done really well. So it's pro- we're probably getting a Creed 3. Um, but yeah, how they're going to subvert that in the future, which is going to be interesting. Um, but yeah, like I, I actually really liked the Drago family drama. <laughs> I don't know why, because like they were not my fave. Like, n- no. Um, but yeah, I thought I, I definitely liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, so when I came home from that, though, then I was like, you know what? There's a new Facebook watch show I should probably check out. And um, it's called Queen America. And I just have to say, I have to give so much kudos. I know Facebook is under a lot of crap right now. And I totally 100% agree with it. But whoever is doing content development for Facebook Watch is doing an amazing, incredible, like I don't even have the words for this. So Sorry for Your Loss was one of my favorite shows of the fall. I've talked about it nonstop. But I kept forgetting that there was another show coming on called Queen America. And which was weird, and it's weird that it hasn't really got a lot of press either, is that Catherine Zeta-Jones is in it. Oscar winner, Catherine Zeta-Jones. So she's playing a, like, pageant consultant in um, Oklahoma. And I'm just, it's, it's a silly little comedy. Like, I think that it's, it hasn't so far, like, done anything, like, really crazy to, like, change your perspective on beauty pageants or something. Like, I think it's pretty similar to Drop Dead Gorgeous at the moment. And even, like, Miss Congeniality and, like, stuff like that. However, I live for bitchy Catherine Zeta-Jones. <laughs> I don't remember the first movie I really saw of hers. It probably wasn't one of, like, because I know I watched Entrapment and, like, Mask of Zorro when I was a little older. But I'm probably going to say my first time seeing her was most likely America's Sweethearts, which is still one of my favorite movies. I'm not even going to lie. And she plays such a bitch in that movie. And then she won an Oscar for playing a bitch. And I just live for her doing these. Like, I, she might be the nice. I, I, I would not be surprised if she's the nicest person to ever live. But I'm obsessed with her playing roles where she is the biggest bitch on the planet. And I love every second of it. So that's been fun. Um, Victoria Justice was also in like the first two episodes. And I was like, Victoria. Um, So yeah, it's like, it's nothing really like spectacular or anything yet. Um, It's not giving me the same like emotional gut punch that Sorry for Your Loss did. But Catherine J. Jones is incredible. And I am really looking forward to seeing how the rest of the series turns out even though like they already kind of like spoiled the twist towards the end and I have like ideas on what's gonna happen so we'll see um let's see then also I watched I finally watched Tomb Raider so I watched I definitely saw the original Tomb Raider movies and I didn't like them that much. They were boring. This is basically me with, like, the Born Identity movies. Like, I just, there are certain action movies where I'm like, why are you boring? Like, why are you like this? And that's how I think I felt about the, or maybe I didn't see the second Lara Croft movie. I don't know. Who was her boyfriend in it? Like, I'll, I'll look that up. Like, if Jared Butler was in the second one, then I watched the second one because I definitely watched that then. Um, so anyway, I, but uh, when they said they were making, remaking Tomb Raider, I was like, okay, whatever. 
And then they were like, Alicia Vikander, Alicia Vikander is going to be here. And I was like, I'm in. Alicia Vikander was my favorite part. Well, sorry. I had like 5 billion part, favorite parts of Man From U.N.C.L.E., but she was one of my favorite parts. I became like so obsessed with her after that. That was then like that year was when she got the Oscar and everything. And I've just really, really into her. Um, and so I wanted to watch Tomb Raider, but I never got to go to the theater to see it. So I finally got to see it because it was on HBO. And it was not great. She is was so freaking delightful in the first like 20 minutes of the movie. And even the very end of the movie, I like was like, oh, I love you so much. And her body is to die for. Like I'm like fitspiration. I think I definitely pushed myself too hard on my run the next day because I was like, I want to look like her. Um, but yeah, like the story was okay. Like it wasn't great. And it just, it kind of just dragged on. And when you have Walton Goggins as the villain, but he's not like scenes chewing, like he's not doing his normal, like Boyd Crowder type stuff. It's kind of annoying. I was really disappointed with that because I love Walton Goggins, although I then realized that he can never play a good guy because he's always playing bad guys and they're the best bad guys, but he wasn't that good as a bad guy in this one. I mean, like the special effects were cool. Like I, they definitely tried to like incorporate more video game type of like action and stuff. And it all looked pretty realistic too, because of how much she worked out. But Overall, it was kind of like, meh, and like, I think that they set up for a sequel that would be pretty awesome, but this movie didn't do so well, so, <sighs> shame. But Alicia Vikander for more of action roles, please. That would be great. Or just roles where she's not, like, depressed and dramatic, because I think she's, she, she was just so, like, her, her smile is just so wonderful, and I was just, like, her laughing and stuff. I was like, oh, I was like, I need you in more roles like this. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, finally, I'm going to talk about, um, just in a, a show I've wound up watching on Hulu. I actually found some time to watch it on Hulu. Um, Black Books. So I'm a fan of, like, um, British comedies. The first one was that I watched was Coupling when it first, not when it first came out, when I found out Jack Davenport was in it, and I was obsessed with Norrington from Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, so Coupling was kind of like the British friends, but it's so funny. <laughs> it's, it's very different, too, but it's so funny. And then, like, I've watched Spaced, and then I just had a list of all of these British comedies and just British shows in general to watch. And I definitely had seen GIFs of Black Books on probably, like, Tumblr and, like, when I was on LiveJournal and stuff. But I, like, never actually wound up watching it. And so it came up on my Hulu queue. And I was like, all right. I was like, let's go watch Black Books. And it stars um, this guy who's Bernard who is running a bookshop. But he, like, hates it. <laughs> he hates running a bookshop. He's basically me if I ran a store. Um, and he's just, like, so curmudgeonly and... It's just wonderful. And he winds up hiring this guy named Manny, who is more like m more of a happy-go-lucky type guy. And they just, just kind of like an odd couple type of thing. But like Manny's not really smart either. And like and some of the stuff that they got into was pretty crazy. But like, as always, what I love about British shows is that they're so short. So instead of me having to be like, oh my God, it's 22 episodes. I was like, oh, it's six episodes. I can do this in a week. Uh, it took me a little longer than that because I kept having things happen but I was like I was like yeah I can do this 
So um, I highly recommend Black Books if you're looking for some silly British humor because I really, really did enjoy that. Um, yeah, and I can't wait. And, and there's only like two more seasons too because British comedies or just British shows in general are always really, really short. Um, so yeah, uh, let's see. This week doesn't have any major movies coming out, but I actually do know the two movies that are coming out in limited release. There is Anna and the Apocalypse, which is a zombie Christmas-themed musical, <laughs> which sounds bizarre, but uh, I'm actually interested in it. I can only do zombie stuff when it's, like, fun zombie stuff, so, like, Anna and the Apocalypse is, like, perfect for me, and I didn't realize it was a book, um, but I actually saw two of the songs be performed at Elsie Fest, and, um, yeah, like I said, I, like, I have no problem seeing, like, stupid zombie stuff. As long as it's, like, actually supposed to be funny and not scary. So, hopefully that one hits one of my local theaters this weekend. Um, and then the second movie is If Beale Street Could Talk, which is um, Barry Jenkins' um, follow-up to, like, Moonlight. And it's based on a James Baldwin novel. And I haven't read that, and, but I've just heard such wonderful things about the movie. And Barry Jenkins, I, I loved Moonlight. Moonlight was one of my favorite movies of 2016 and I just really am looking forward to seeing that one because again I've heard such wonderful things about it and it just I I want to support Barry Jenkins for a while um so yeah I think that's it um nothing much else to say or report and um I haven't really posted on my blog because of the holiday and everything but um, you can just follow me on Instagram at the Geeky Rose, and I'm on Twitter at the Geek Rose. And I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.